City on the edge. 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 Welcome back to City on the Edge. I am Ty Bannerman. I'm Mike Smith. And I'm Nora Hickey. And we tell Albuquerque stories on this podcast. And today we're going to be talking about the lost legacy of Skyline Drive. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> but first, Mike, you have something yeah. you wanted to talk about that you said we couldn't talk about in real life. We have to well, I wanted to yet. tell you on the show so I could get your initial reactions to it because it was okay. so super cool. So I've got this cool new job. Um, I, uh, I drive a blind teacher and activist to places around the state where she trains people and assesses students, and it's really, it's really cool. I'm spending a lot of time in Clovis, which is weird, uh, but also yeah. Alamogordo and Silver City and other places. And anyway, for that job, I had to get a tuberculosis test, so I went... <laughs> oh, God. You're <laughs> so going to you... tell us you have tuberculosis? No, 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 no. No, but it would oh. be historically appropriate yes, <laughs> for my interests. Um, but uh, no, uh, so I went to um, like a CVS to um, to get the tuberculosis test, and they inject a little bit of this like uh, I don't know what it was exactly. I looked it up at one point, but it's like a, a solid version of some sort of bacilli or something. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and and then th- two or three days later, you go in and they read the reaction to it. So I'm going to do that today. But anyway, so you could have it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. But so could you too. You just, I'm, you know. <laughs> oh my god. No, so, it's just an arbitrary thing that like you have to do if your job involves occasionally working with kids. You know, you don't want to right. have tuberculosis and give that give that to them. It's a horrible thing. <laughs> you know, there's lots of circumstances where right. I don't want to have tuberculosis. Right. So Every any, circumstance. So anyway, the pharmacist is this super nice woman, and we're having a conversation. And we're talking about tuberculosis, and I'm like, I have this history podcast called City on the Edge, and we did an episode on tuberculosis, and she's like, "You wait, that's your podcast? Oh. You're, you do City on the Edge? And like, Cider. her and her family are like super fans and have Aww. like listened to our oh, show a whole bunch. Nice. And she totally like quoted stuff from it. She said she was just on Mountain Drive, or Mountain Road, and like remembered our place name, street names oh, yeah. episode. That's really I mean, cool. just, it was so cool. I like walked out of there feeling like, Mega well, like, that's awesome. ego. So yeah. if you have TB, yeah. you met a fan in real life. It was worth it. It's so cool. That's because awesome. Doesn't it feel like sometimes we just put the show out into the void? And, sure. And yeah. we're like, are, are there people out there? Oh, well, should we also are. meeting yeah. mention meeting yeah. our other fan in real life? Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. We met uh, Jean, Jean our French fan, as far yeah. as I know, our only, <laughs> only French fan. But he uh, he came to Albuquerque. He's, he works as a, as a translator. Yeah. Including he's uh, translating the handsome families. Oh yeah, um, Rennie Re- Sparks. Rennie Sparks's uh, book. Yeah, into French. So cool. Um, so we met him and had a few. He tricks. was super cool. We hung yeah. out at the uh, press club, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And um, that was great. Just a rad dude. He's from Strasbourg, France, and is is going to and photographing. I'm just repeating this for our listeners. You two obviously know. Yeah. Um, the uh, he's going to. Um, all the Strasburgs in the world, which he's researched and found out and taking photos of them. This is so cool. I love that. That, that guy's got an interesting mind and a cool presence. I went to uh, one of Morrow's shows with him that night at Corpus Arts, and there was other cool noise artists playing as well. It was really a fun show, and he was super into it and got to see like the Albuquerque scene. The only other person I know from France was that happened to be there also, Celia, <laughs> from the local scene. That's and, hilarious. Uh, and, uh, at the noise show. Yeah, it was great. Okay. <laughs> we always love meeting fans in real life. It, 
And as a matter of fact, because it is the uh, the holiday season, we would love to meet some fans in real life. And after uh, Christmas and New Year's on January 10th, we invite any and all fans to come and uh, come and mm-hmm. hang out with us at the Albuquerque Press Club yeah. at yeah. six o'clock at night. And the first uh, ten people that come, will will buy a beer for mm-hmm. if you're <gasps> of age. If you're right. of age, so yes. You don't get in trouble legally. Yeah, exactly. And um, and if it's not like a hundred dollar beer, yeah, no hundred dollar beer. <laughs> I'm just gonna put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay, good, good point. I guess come then. have a reasonably priced drink. <laughs> come have a reasonably Price beverage <laughs> with us at the Albuquerque Press Club, January tenth, six o'clock p.m. We're not putting this on Facebook or anything else, so the only people who will know about it are people who are listening. And mm-hmm. um, looking forward to uh, to seeing some of you guys. We'd love to chat with you. Yeah, totally. and show you the Press Club mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it. Oh yeah, we could give that. like a tour of the Press Club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we wouldn't stop you from bringing a pizza. That's fine. That's true. You can bring food. So <laughs> yeah. <bring> pizza. <laughs> no, just come and have a drink. Yeah, come and have a drink. Nope. First 10 people who come will buy a beer for, or a wine or whatever, or a mocktail. Wow. Um, and, uh, okay, so let's let's right. go into Skyline Drive. So All tell right. me a little bit, of what, what, are, what is Skyline Drive and why? Well, Can uh, you give me a little teaser about so what is it, Skyline about? Drive um, does not exist, Okay, which is good. I think. <laughs> All right. But there was a plan for it to exist, and it would have been a road that kind of went uh, like a diagonal stripe across the northeast corner of the Sandias down. Uh, I, I imagine it would have, um, I think it would have connect, connected up with the Las Huertas Canyon Road, that road okay. around Placidas, but it would have gone all the way from the crest down across that diagonally. Like there was this guy, and I'll get to him in the article, I forget his name right now, but he was, uh, he was in charge of the. Um, you know, the forest land for basically all of New Mexico and Arizona. And he just wanted to build roads like crazy. But it took the uh, 1970s fuel crisis to really slow this. But also, um, you know, a nascent, uh, how do you say that? Nascent? nascent. Yeah, I think nascent. Nascent. A nascent um, uh, environmental movement in town. Ultimately, it's the park service that stops it from happening. But, you know, this road, they actually began to build it. They plowed uh, a significant stretch of it and tore up a lot of trees that really that have since become trails up in the uh, in the mountains. But anyway, so I wrote this article about it for East Mountain Living. So its audience is people who live up there. Okay. So, um, so we'll, now it can be everyone. Let's uh, let's <laughs> jump on in then. Right. Why don't you take us for a ride on Skyline Drive? <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Road Warriors: The Story of Skyline Drive. The Sandia Mountains are, of course, important to the people who live on them. On the mountain's wooded eastern slopes, in communities from Placidas to Carnwell, and from Sandia Park to Tejeras. But they're important as well to the people of Albuquerque, New Mexico's largest city, the valley-filling mid-sized metropolis whose eastern perimeter, or much of it, is the striking 17-mile-long range. These mountains also matter to Albuquerque in ways not so easily quantifiable. Many Albuquerque residents hike or bike or rock climb or ski or sled or pursue other outdoor recreations in the Sandias. Many ride the aerial tram or drive the scenic winding road through Cibola National Forest up to Sandia Peak, the range's highest point, 10,678 gray granite feet above sea level. Most probably listen to or watch or talk on something that receives signals from the antenna farm, the fence-encircled cluster of broadcast and cell phone towers on Sandia Peak. And every Albuquerque resident benefits from the weather the mountains help shape and from the mountains simply being. 
Every sighted Albuquerque resident benefits from being able to look up and see these beautiful mountains and the clouds that move around them. And any Middle Rio Grande Valley resident might experience the Sandia Mountains presence as a daily reminder of the natural world and of the ancientness of this land. I live in Albuquerque these days and have many times been silenced into reverence and awe by light on these shining high desert mountains by a profound experience of real nature, even though I may have been, at the time, standing in some trash-strewn gas station or grocery store parking lot encircled by plastic signs and traffic. These mountains are not a perfect wilderness, although they do have wilderness areas. The Sandias have roads and communities and trails and the tram and a ski resort and those antenna, but even so, I'm grateful they're not more developed than they already are. I'm grateful there's not a road cutting from Sandia Peak across the top of the northeastern portion of the range, north and down toward Placidas. I, for one, am grateful Skyline Drive does not exist. An article in the November 25, 1962 Albuquerque Journal describes how Skyline Drive was first envisioned, along with a number of other would-be developments proposed by a development-obsessed regional forester named Fred H. Kennedy. Kennedy, in charge of national forests in New Mexico and Arizona, also revealed a recreation use plan for the Sandia Mountains, an area used more than any other because of its proximity to Albuquerque. Highlight of the Sandia plan is a proposed skyline drive, quote-unquote, to run about two miles south of the Sandia Crest to connect with La Madera Ski Area and north from the crest for about eight miles to hook up with the highway west of Placidas. This, Kennedy pointed out, fits hand-in-glove with the public desire for sightseeing in national forests. Also stated in the Sandia plan is a number of recreation areas, including a concentration along the crest road. Prominent in the Sandia plans are two proposed area trams, one from nearby La Cueva to the crest, the other to run from near the eastern Albuquerque city limits to South Sandia Peak. A dotted line on an accompanying visual shows where the road would have gone, seemingly right along the edge of Sandia Crest all the way down. In a brief but detailed history section, Cibola National Forest's 1975 Sandia Mountains Land Use Plan, available online, recounts that Opposition to this proposed road was registered in 1965 by the Albuquerque Wildlife and Conservation Association, the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish, and the New Mexico Mountain Club. These organizations felt that the road might have a detrimental effect on the habitat of the Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep. As a result, the project was postponed. After an August 8, 1966 public meeting, the route was adjusted twice, and five miles of the road were cleared by sometime in the fall of 1969 after which an inspiring and effective local campaign of petitions and postcards and letters managed to get construction halted. James A. Morris, in the invaluable 1980 book Okupin, The Sandia Mountains of New Mexico, writes, The road clearing, though scarring the mountainside, had its greatest impact upon the minds and sensibilities of many people. Perhaps there had been some misconceptions about the project, or maybe those who felt the road should not be built were inadequately aware of the consequences. No matter, the ragged swath, nearly 200 feet wide, zigzagged among the trees down the eastern slope. The soil was exposed, rocks were tumbled about, and stumps with their roots upturned appeared to beseech the Sandia deities for mercy. The mountains themselves would eventually reclaim the land and mend the wound in their flank, but the road would not survive the aroused reaction that opposed the construction of any skyline drive. Adamant opposition stimulated the Forest Service to devise a comprehensive land use plan for the Sandias. Ironically, the road issue was put to rest with the dramatic events precipitated by oil-producing nations and the subsequent energy crisis that temporarily ensued. Fuel shortages, financial considerations, and political obstacles finally led officials to declare the road project abandoned. The original plan had been a product of times when Sunday drivers cruised with little thought given to the availability or cost of fuel. 
Change is perhaps inevitable, but isn't it wonderful sometimes when it's not? When a beautiful place stays beautiful? When something in need of protection actually gets it? In Skyline Drive's case, that change came too late for five miles of trees and their animal inhabitants, but it didn't come too late for the people living below it and turning their faces upward. The mountains had given the people of the valley so much, as they had for so long, and some of those people gave something back, their time, their voices, and then the mountains had kept giving and kept giving, and they keep giving and keep giving, keep giving still. So thus, thus ended Skyline Drive, huh? Yes. And uh, where are the five miles of, of road that were actually... Um, I've heard that uh, some of it is in the trail called Faulty Trail. Okay. And um, there's, I think there's a Skyline Trail even. There's, there's a, in the magazine version of this, which is on my table at my house, I don't have it here, they, okay. they have some of the trails in the photo caption. So you can go and actually check yeah. it out. So yeah. I guess pick up a copy of East Mountain yeah. Living. Yeah. Um, and when you say that uh, this uh, gentleman was a forester, what, what do you mean? I guess he was just kind of generally in charge of all of it, you know, of, yeah, Fred H. Kennedy. Worth looking up, I guess. He was, yeah. he was in charge of this barely regulated western right. region. I mean, think about how diffuse, like, the, the parks and forests are here, like Cibola being in seven different places, which is poetic and historic, but, right. like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. like, still... And La Madera yeah. Ski Area, is that the current ski that, area? That's Sandia. Okay, ski so area, that's no. its former name? Yeah, that was its original right. name. Named after La Madera Canyon, where La Madera Road is, that right. I'm obsessed right. with. Yes, and, uh, indeed. <laughs> yeah. well, what's the road called that goes up to the crest now? Uh, I think it's 536. 536. When crest, was that built? A lot of people call it the Crest Road. Um, well, that's, a, that's kind of an interesting story to that, because um, um, so there was this... Guy and he was he lived in San Antonito. I think his name was Leonard Skinner, which is <laughs> cool. Um, and uh, <laughs> maybe I'm just blurring things in my my <laughs> age-addled brain or something at this point. But um, uh, it was I'm pretty sure it was something like that. But he was known as the San Antonito Lumber King, and he advertised heavily in like all the newspapers at the time, like get your lumber from the San Antonito Lumber King, and. Um, they he at his own expense made a, like a million dollar road up to the crest that's basically the crest route right now and oh. as soon as he finished it the uh, park service took it and nationalized it <laughs> was, he, was he was it for lumber purposes was it yeah he was going to har- he was going to harvest it but you know that like right yeah oh, okay so the uh, <laughs> became Thanks, public Mr. Lands. Skinner. Yeah I know yeah. you know oh no you couldn't cut your lumber <laughs> it was protected instead but um but you can if you go up there you'll still see uh tejano tejano canyon road on the left and that's because he was from texas and that was where his mill was so he was the tejano yeah yeah oh i see Mm -hmm. i didn't know that and uh so he's up there but yeah the roads up there kind of a kind of interesting history north 14 was um an old wagon road the spanish wagon road to santa fe Mm -hmm. over that for a long time before it became state road something and, and then, yeah, you know, yeah. but, um, I mean, I, I think if Skyline Drive had happened, it would just be one more thing that we just thought, well, that's there. You yeah. Know? Like, it, do you think it would have changed th- the makeup? Of- I think it would have changed the feel of the mountains, but I mean, they do have those antennas on the top too. They're right. not like mm-hmm. a perfect pristine wilderness or anything. And the tram yeah. is noticeable, which 
even though the, I'm sure the producers and director of the movie Lone Survivor don't want to hear that because they use the Sandias for Afghanistan yeah. in that movie and you can see the tram cables in it in like oh. multiple shots. And <laughs> <laughs> right. Lazy work. Like, just can't you airbrush that kind of thing out these days? And CGI it out or something? Um, so, I mean, <laughs> I'd imagine it would have been a pretty impressive drive. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. At yeah. any rate. We would like, all love that drive. Well, you you but, mentioned Los Huertas Canyon, which right. is the um, oh, the drive down. Right. Uh, how would you describe it? It's well, not, it goes from Balsam Glade up on the Crest Road, right. uh, 536, all the way around the other side of the mountain to Placidas. To Placidas. Oh, and yeah. that is... It's an awesome drive. It's terrifying. Though, yeah. Right? Haunted spooky canyon, big yeah. drop-offs, um, uh, narrow. Yeah, it's you don't want to do it in the snow. Road? No. Yeah. And the western side of it has kind of gotten taken over by like riffraff. That like, like I mean, <laughs> riffraff. <laughs> riff like, like there's gang tags on all the, um, the, oh. um, the stuff. Like Marwa and I were up there once, and it just felt really Mad Max. There's, like, oh, I mean, really? there's that area where that woman Carla was killed. Right. And um, so like, are you familiar? You both familiar with that no, story? Tell so me. like, um, I forget the exact time that that happened, but um, uh, a woman was driving along the, this road, which is a dirt road, and mm-hmm. it can be pretty remote. Like, sometimes it feels like, whoa, I'm the only person out here. Um, you go by the Ellis Ranch, the old uh, uh, Ellis homesteaders from the very late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, Charlotte Ellis, the first woman to ski in the Sandias. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she had her brother's baker repair. Um, but um, okay, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, so she was she was around there, and her car broke down, and then she was found dead. Oh God! And Killed? It, well, it seemed it sure seemed like all the early reports and things that we heard about it was that it was murder. But then uh, somebody did this aggressive sign campaign, "Who Killed Carla?" Where they put up all these signs everywhere. I remember those all around there. Who killed Carla? Who killed Carla? There was a shrine to her near Sandia Cave. Oh, sorry, I keep touching the mic. Don't touch the mic. Mike. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, we, uh, <laughs> um. And uh, so, so uh, the Placidus Realty people did not like that, and they wrote angry letters to the uh, Sandoval County newspaper about that, just like, how dare they? And, um, you know, they're, they're hurting business and so on. And then, and the Placidus Realty people are very powerful, apparently, because the uh, apparently pressured um, police found it to be just an accidental death. But there were, like, details that, that doesn't fit at all that were out before that. Sounds like a, some, something for future investigation. Yeah, it's yeah. really... But so the whole area yeah. kind of felt like that. And there's been some dark stuff that's happened around there. There was like, I mean, you know, it, it uh, there was a suicide at Sandia Cave, a pretty significant one. And it just the whole area just felt like kind of like unsafe. Was there a recent suicide at Sandia Cave? No, this was a few years ago, but oh, okay. I, I read something about it online, you know. Well, but, uh, yeah. So that particular yeah. drive, yeah. which is, I believe it's dirt for most <laughs> of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, uh, the woman who cut my hair... Yeah. A few years ago, told me that it was that was a haunted road because of the the woman interesting. who was killed or died there. So yeah. I think oh. that's interesting that that story yeah. does continue to. Like when Mara and I on. were last there, there was just this guy and he was just sitting on the hood of his car and he looked so creepy. I was just like he was just sitting there watching everybody go by and I could tell he was like, you know, just waiting for somebody to be dependent on him or something. I don't I don't know. It was really. We got a, we got really creeped out when we were in the area. Well, I think that about wraps it up. I hope to see some of you guys on January 10th. Um, thanks to everyone for listening. And I'll... Uh, Seriously. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Catch you next time. All right.